What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to the RBI Podcast. My name is Richie. I am your host, episode number eight. We're getting closer and closer to the baseball season, but before we get started today, like always, follow me on TikTok and or Instagram and TikTok. It's reverse on my camera, but you know, Instagram and TikTok down below. So subscribe to the channel on YouTube. Leave a review on Apple, Spotify, leave a rating, subscribe to the Apple as well. Also the Spotify, like I just said, follow me on Spotify. Um, just whatever you got to do to grow this podcast and really get it out there for a lot of people to listen to. It's good for the quote unquote algorithms, but it genuinely does help me see what I need to do to make this podcast better as well as ideas that you guys may want to listen to. I don't, I can't read everyone's mind. Uh, I especially like the TikTok love I've gotten. Not that much, but like enough where I can engage with you guys and like talk sports, talk baseball, especially, and just debate on like our takes and whatnot. I've been called an idiot a couple times, but it's okay. I, I have thick skin, but today's episode is uh, Carlos Correa is a twin, and that is a shock to almost everyone in the world <laughs> because first he was a giant for 13 year 13 year deal, then he was a Met for a 12 year deal. Now he's a Minnesota twin for a six year deal at the minimum. But it be, can become more. Um, I spoke about it a couple weeks ago how I thought the Mets were like clearly going to get him because this has never happened before. Like we've seen it happen with one team, but never two. Obviously, things would hit the wall, and it kind of happened fast. Uh, he got six years, two hundred million from the Twins. I think the Mets offered six for one fifty-seven, which was the same AAV as the twelve-year contract. So it makes sense why they did it, but. At the end, six years, two hundred million, four years, seventy million dollar vesting option, which means it's like an incentive. Like if he hits a certain amount of at bats, certain award uh, awards, MVPs, all stars, if he hits a certain like quota, I guess you would call it, that option gets added on for him to take. And if he doesn't hit it, it's a club option, and that means the club can either take it or decline it. This is the deal that almost everyone thought he was going to get, just because of the ankle issue that came about but i don't know why it like went haywire twice well we know why but it's just it's so abnormal to me that like not one but two teams were concerned about it and he still got up like a pretty big deal but kudos to him i would have taken the money too if that was so much of a concern from a, a giant standpoint like I, i've mentioned before it's it's over with now. Like you can't really do anything. They've made moves. They they just introduced Conforto, Hanager, uh, Stripling, Manaya. They got a couple of relief pitchers as well. So they kind of rebounded past it. And I think also the Mets having issues with it as well helped the Giants kind of move past it and not be that much of an idiot. And for the Mets, I said this like I said this when the rumors came out with the Mets that like. Correa was interested in coming to the Mets or vice versa. Then the Giants signed him or agreed to a deal that was like, damn, like that would have been sick. Like that would be like an all-star team almost. And then they agreed to a contract and now he's a twin. So you kind of have to, you want to revert back to the sense of like, oh, like we had a shortstop. We didn't really need him. Like we were fine without him because everyone needs Carlos Correa. He's an all-star player. top. 30 player in baseball top 20 player in baseball if you want to be generous and because he agreed to a deal with the Mets now you want him now it's like oh we lost them even though in theory we never had him and I think that's like the silver lining I would take if I was a Mets fan or as a Mets fan is that we never really had him 
and we generally didn't need him. I would say like it would have been nice to have his bat and like that would have been a loaded roster. But at the end of the day, something had to go wrong for it to take three weeks and nothing to come about and just for it to go sideways that fast. So I'm not gonna read you stats for Carlos Correa. We his playoff success, his um his leadership, he plays a gold glove defense, he's gonna play shortstop now that he's with the twins. I also want to talk about the Twins and the fact that last year I did my New Year's resolutions for them. Change those because I was in the assumption that Correa wasn't coming back. Now you have your shortstop. Be aggressive now. You know, like use him as like, like I'm going to talk about the Red Sox with Devers, but use him as your pillar. You have Polanco, who I said you should trade. You have Arias, who they might trade anyway. They have like these, they have Byron Buxton. Royce Lewis is coming back from injury. They signed Christian Vasquez. They have Sonny Gray. They have, um, what's his name? The sick reliever. Yoan Duran. I think his name is Yoan Duran or Joan Duran. He's like an insane reliever. So you build around Correa now. Like kind of like more of your own, not super team, but they get back to the playoffs and he can be like a pillar for that. I think the reason why I said trade all these guys is because I didn't think you were getting him back, like I just said. But now you have him for at least six years. The risk is there. Like, let's be honest. We're going to talk about a guy who had risk and now is coming back to bite him. But the risk is there. Like there is a plate in his ankle. But the Twins knew about it last year. The Twins knew about it this year. And great, good on the Twins. I'm kind of happy he's not on the Braves. I really thought that was going to happen. But, you know, as a Met fan, it's disappointing, obviously. I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, I didn't want him. I did want him. But, like, silver lining is that we're not in a terrible, we're not in a bad spot at all without him. And it might have been a smart move. Like, and it kind of also shows that Steve Cohen is a good businessman. Like, and that he's not going to make a deal that he thinks is too risky. And that's comforting because you didn't want him spending like a drunken sailor. This kind of proves that. This proves that he's not going to just throw money at anything and say, F it, see if it works. So. You know, like, but I'm not going to harp on the mess too much. Like, the Twins, like, are the true winners in this deal because they got Carlos Correa. He's going to be there. He's their superstar. Him and Buxton, if Buxton can ever stay healthy, like, the AO Central is there for the taking, and why not the Twins? So, last week, I had my resolutions for the Red Sox, and it was to trade Rafael Devers, and literally less than 24 hours later, he signed a massive extension with the Red Sox. 11 years, $331 million. Uh, pretty standard deal. Carlos Barriga broke the news, so that was pretty cool. He's been right sometimes. He wasn't right about Correa, but he was right about this. He's right about Verlander. And, you know, it's it. Like, I said trade him because I didn't think they were going to sign him. But this is a really good move. Like, obviously, he's your star player. I wrote down here that it allows you to rebuild slower because you have him for 11 years. Like, you don't have to worry about him leaving next year and then having nobody to build around. Now, you, you start with him, you have some other guys, but, like, it starts with him. The guy's a star hitter, career 283 hitter, 854 OPS. He has 139 homers in his career, alone with 455 RBI. And his defense is, like, whatever, but when you rake the way he does, it, it does. No one's going to recognize it. Do you think people care about Juan Soto's defense? No. And it gives them time, the Red Sox. It gives them time to relax, although... News came out later that day, I believe, or later, like, the next day or two or week or two or whatever that was not comforting for them. We're going to get to that next, but 
Devers, he's a top five third baseman minimum. And he just... Like, you you lost Bogarts. You lost J.J. Martinez. We talked about it. You lost Mookie Betts. You couldn't lose another one. That was my thing with the Nationals. They lost Rendon. They lost Harper. They lost Trey Turner. They traded Max Scherzer. The Corbin and Strasburg contracts didn't work out. Then you had Juan Soto, and it's like, okay, here's someone we can build around. They didn't meet the contract. Now he's gone, and now you have nobody. Now you have no star. The Red Sox have a star, at least. So, as bad quote-unquote of an offseason this has been for them this is a starting point for a future with like the Meyer kid that's going to come up you hope Tristan Cassis can hit and then you fill voids you go on as you go you spend money in the future and you fill out your team and you you get ready for that next like that not, not I don't want to call them a dynasty but that next squad that's going to go to the playoffs multiple years and hopefully win your championship so, like, good on the Red Sox for Devers, but bad on the Red Sox uh, for Trevor Story. This contract is looking worse and worse every day. Um, I mean, this isn't his fault, but he's getting UCL surgery. I saw the timeline, like, median timeline or average timeline was six months for it. He signed a pretty big contract, like, right near season start because of the lockout. Um, to play second base because of his arm issues and they have reared their ugly head in year two. I don't know if this is going to help the Red Sox in like the future because this is going to be a down year for them anyway. So I guess might as well get the surgery out of the way. My question is, when did this injury happen? Because I saw reports that he was going to let it like let the pain see how it would go. And then he got the surgery. But then I saw um, uh, Enrique Hernandez said otherwise. So, it's just like, if this happened like during the season last year while you were out of it, you might as well have gotten the surgery then, but we don't know. Like, I don't know when, it, I'm assuming it happened recently and he just got the surgery now. It stings because it knocks him out to like August at like least. And, you know, will this help in the future? Maybe. Like, maybe he's back to his old self at shortstop because we knew about the elbow problem. So, maybe it just, it finally gave... And now you get it surgically repaired. You get healthy. Especially a UCL for a shortstop. It's not the same as a pitcher. So it's like, I saw it's like a, like a re, not a remodeled Tommy John, but like a construction of it in some way. I just think like it, it kind of, it's like a, like a microcosm of the, the Red Sox offseason. Like they lost Bogarts. They didn't really do much. They re-signed Devers, which was a very good move in my opinion. Um, I, I would rather them sign him than trade him. So that was good. But this kind of like now they have a center fielder playing shortstop. They have a young guy playing center in Jaron Duran. They have the young cast is playing first. Devers is going to be at third. They still have Trey Turner. So I'm wondering if they're going to put him in the field now. I doubt it because he kind of fills that void for DH that they need. Like desperately Verdugo is going to be in the outfield. Um, they have Reese McGuire they can move around. So they, they have players, but they don't really have a lot of talent outside of Devers. And um, they also have that Japanese player they signed, Yoshida. He's going to play left field, I think, every day. But losing story, like, it hurts. Because as bad as a year as he did have last year, he is known to be a very talented player. And, you know, him and Devers could have been something. I mean, it's still time. Like, he, he's on a long-term... They're both on long-term contracts now. But it just kind of... 
I don't want to say put the dagger on the the Red Sox offseason, but it kind of summed up everything going on. And it's a shame, but, you know, speedy recovery to Trevor Story. And uh, hopefully we see you in 2023. Hopefully we see you this year. Before we get into anything else, I just wanted to send out uh, my thoughts and prayers to Liam Hendricks and a speedy recovery who was diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. It's a type of cancer. Um, I'm like The whole baseball world is praying for you. You're one of the more fun guys to watch in the league and just seem like a genuinely good person and obviously you don't want anyone to get sick like that you want everyone to be healthy and um i'm just i just want to say that out like before uh we move on just get better quick get back on the field get back healthy get back to yourself because like you like we're praying for you and you know hopefully sooner rather than later you're back and healthy and hopefully you know you you can kick its butt as people would say but you know, it's a shame when you hear these things, but um, hopefully that, like, the treatments work and the science works and the medications and whatever he has to do goes through and works and he beats it and he's back on the field closing games for the White Sox, the, which they are going to need, obviously, but his health is more important. And hopefully we get to see him soon, though. You know, he's a very exciting pitcher to watch. He's one of the best relievers in baseball. But um, just from, like, a human standpoint, just you know, you don't want anyone getting sick like that, so... Uh, pray for Liam Hendricks, um, speedy recovery, uh, speedy health, and let's uh, let's get you back on the field. I saw today that um, Pablo Lopez was in like a, I don't want to call it serious conversations for going to the Twins, but there were conversations about him going to the Twins for Luis Arias. That's not really why I'm bringing this. I'm bringing this up for the Marlins pitchers and why I'm kind of annoyed like I'm, I'm a Mets fan but like I'm annoyed at the Marlins because this is again they're doing this when they're taking down their whole team and they have these young pitching prospects that have barely scratched the surface like Edward Cabrera Jesus Lazardo, and Pablo Lopez has scratched the surface but as soon as you get talent don't trade it away like see what you have in these guys like, I don't understand unless you're getting major league talent don't do this because I don't know. The pitching is so hard to find nowadays. Like, the Yankees had to sign two aces. They they've barely been able to develop anyone. The like look at these teams. Like the Reds, like are hoping Hunter Green is the guy. The Cardinals can't find an ace to save their life. Nor can the Cubs. And the Marlins have all this surplus of pitching talent that they've traded for, including Jesus Lazardo for Starling Marte, who's a very talented player. They traded, and no. But the A's traded Jesus Lazardo. That's another team that can't have pitching. But you get Jesus Lazardo as a Marlin for a rental that was Starling Marte, and you're not going to maximize it. I don't think they trade Alcantara. If he's up for the, um, like a trade, then I promise you everyone's going to be in on that. I think uh, the Rodgers kid, Trevor Rodgers, will be in like these discussions, but I don't understand why they do this. Like I don't understand your team isn't that great, but... Every time you get good players, you can't trade them for prospects. You're just prolonging the process. And this is going to be doing that because Edward Cabrera and Jesus Lazardo are two very young pitchers that can be very good starters in baseball. And they've proven that they have the stuff. Pablo Lopez is a little bit of a different story. I would understand that a little bit more because he's older, approaching free agency. And you want to get the most out of him if you're not going to be good this year. And I get it. I get that. I don't get the other two guys. I don't get, like the willingness to just move off talent like that that kind of bothers me but i guess it is what it is because i don't really know what else they're going to do 
Besides that, the Marlins, they have Alcantara. Um, they just traded Miguel Rojas. We'll get into that. Who do they have? They have Jazz Chisholm. They have a couple of nice relievers. Dylan Flores is a solid player, but it just it, it just aggravates me that it's like imagine the Orioles just willingly trading Adley Rutschman and Gunnar Henderson. I know they're better prospects, but they're young talent that they want to build around. And because they're leaving or going to be leaving, like you're you're actively shopping your entire pitching market. I don't get it. You can never have enough pitching. How many times have we been told that? Like as baseball fans, you can never have enough pitching. And they want to trade these two guys. Like I said, Trevor Rogers. They already traded Eliezer Hernandez to the Mets, but he's more of a depth guy. But even so, he's depth guy. He's a depth guy. So what's the point of trading him? Just just stock up your pitching, unless you didn't think he was good. Like they have Chisholm, Brian Anderson's gone now. Brian De La Cruz has got a lot to prove. I don't know. Avisiel Garcia, Jacob Stallings. I've said these names over and over and over again. Joey Wendell, he might get traded as well. Like, they made the playoffs in 2020, the Marlins, but besides that, it's really kind of gone south. And I don't know where they move from here, but we'll see. I mean, no one really goes to their games anyway, so I guess who cares? But, like, it, that's a shame for the Marlins fan base that does exist because you're not getting the product that you deserve every day on the field. I'm sorry, you're not. So, speaking of the Marlins, uh, Miguel Rojas got traded today for a, um, a minor league player. I don't know his name. I apologize, but he got traded to the Los Angeles Dodgers, so they got their shortstops. I'm kidding. They didn't get their shortstop in this guy, but uh, Rojas, he's finally going to get a chance to win. Like, you know, he was in Miami for a long time. They didn't really make the playoffs except for the shortened year. I, when I first saw this deal, I'm like, all right, cool. You can move Gavin Lux to second now and keep him comfortable there because he seemed to really thrive at that position. But then I saw, like, that depth charts, and it was, like, Freeman, Chris Taylor, Gavin Lux, and then I don't know who's playing third for them. It's a good question. I don't know who's playing third. Maybe he'll play third. I don't know. But he was more of a utility guy they had listed, and, I mean, that's okay, too, because he really fits that role. He's a slick glove. Not that great of a hitter, but he kind of reminds me of, like, the Mets have Luis Guillorme or, like, a Brock Holt. Maybe not as, like, versatile, but... That's type of player that can play everywhere, and your team needs one of those if you want to make a playoff run. Um, damn, I don't even know who the third baseman is. <laughs> Comment below who the Dodgers' third baseman is. I've completely forgotten. But my point. You got this guy now that could be like a Swiss Army knife, and when Lux needs the day, you sit him down. When Freeman needs the day, you can put him at first even. When Taylor needs a day, you can put him at second. You know, when guys get hurt, he's a more than capable starter. But I like this role for him better. Because when I first started, I was like, ah, starting shortstop for the Dodgers, that sounds a little, like, iffy. But I think the kid Vargas, I think his name, his last name is Vargas. He's going to play third, actually. But anyway, my point. Rojas fits this role better than being a starter, in my opinion, especially for a really good team. It's probably why this happened. But, you know... Just like a good depth move. The Dodgers didn't do much this offseason, but they're saving for Otani. It's kind of obvious. They're, they're, they're waiting till next offseason to make their big move. And, you know, they're going to be good. I know I don't think they're the best team in their division. I think the Padres have passed them. I spoke about that last week as well. But 
when you have that much talent and you have the track record of just like recycling players like like besides your stars then you can you can take a hit you cannot sign Trey Turner and save up for Shohei because he's going to get paid a lot of money and you know you still have your your pitching staff of Arias, Kershaw, um Gonsolin's still there. You have you have your guys. Like they lost a couple guys. They lost like Tyler Anderson, Walker Blue is out for the season. Kimbrel's gone. They also have a an emerging reliever in Evan Phillips, who I think placed fourth or fifth on the uh, Shredder and MLB Network's uh, top ten relief pitchers. Edwin Diaz number one, by the way, Class A number two. Uh, they got that right. But you also have him, and that's a, he's a prime example of the Dodgers just making talent because the dude is I've never heard of him before. And then I'm watching his highlights and I'm looking at his numbers like during the year. I'm like, damn, this guy's like a stud. I felt the same way about Ryan Helsley, but he throws 103, so that's kind of different. Um, the Dodgers are going to be scary. Like, I, I've kind of downplayed them a little bit. I've downplayed Clayton Kershaw a lot, which I shouldn't do because he's dominant. And I didn't realize how good of a year he had last year, so I apologize for that. But this team, like, they're never bad and it's aggravating. But, you know, it is what it is. I guess I'm hoping the Mets become that with Steve Cohen. Like we see that with the Braves, we see it with the Yankees. We're going to start seeing it with the Padres if they play their cards right. And, you know, it's good for baseball. You know, I think every team should try to follow the Dodger way uh, because even though they have their stars, the majority of their team is like our players that are like, I mean, like arbitration players that are just like, they find out of nowhere and just develop well. Like, especially these pitchers. Like, the reason why I, I, I'm so, like, weird with the Dodgers is because they never have top prospects. But they have these guys that come up that dominate. So why not be these guys? And Evan Phillips, like I said, perfect example of that. You can't really... Like, Will Smith, I didn't even hear about him until he uh they got brought up and started raking. And he's probably the second best catcher in baseball right now. Dodgers going to finish with 100 wins probably and just dominate again and make me look stupid for putting them in second. But, you know, that's the Dodgers. So, yeah, that's all I got. That's all I got from Miguel Rojas. And going also west is Nelson Cruz, one year, one million. Just wanted to throw that in. He's kind of old now, but, you know, he's a good veteran guy, seasoned hitter, knows what he's doing. Um, I think Corey Dickerson signed with the Nationals. Uh, that's like a whatever move. This guy finding a team. That's all the moves I think. And we're gonna talk about a trade in a second. Um, Trevor Bauer is a going to be officially a free agent soon. He got officially released by the Dodgers. I saw like the Cubs were in, the Mets were in, like the Twins I think were in. Like I don't. I saw also the Twins were out of it now today. He's going to have an interesting market because. I don't know like what his deal is. I don't know what who wants to take that risk. I, I listened to a, a podcast called Baseball is Dead with uh, Jared Carabas, this kid Joey, and Dallas Braden. They were talking about how, like, is this guy going to be in Major League Baseball or like the KBO or Mexican League or a European League or something like that? I don't know, to be honest, because I guess it depends how you feel about him in your clubhouse not even like bringing up the allegations that just got passed and all that stuff but the other stuff that he's come with why the Dodgers kind of let him go it's because I think some teammates didn't want him I don't know how true that is but it's what we know I also saw that some teammates liked him and didn't have a problem with it but then you have a divisive locker room and is 
his talent after two years of missing baseball worth it? We don't know. And from a pure baseball perspective, no one knows if this guy is still good. And I think that's a fair question to ask. And like 30 teams two years ago were lining up for this guy because he was coming off of Cy Young. I know it was a shortened year, but he was dominant with the Reds. He was even good with the, at that time, Cleveland Indians, now Cleveland Guardians. And even with the Dodgers, he, he pitched well to start, but you have all this stuff happen. It's been two years now. We've seen like with like Deshaun Watson missed two years in football. He didn't look great out of the gate. Um, for baseball, like it's going to be interesting to see what Michael Conforto does this year, who missed a year. They have him with Steven Drew a long time ago. Like, It's tough to get back to yourself after missing a lengthy period of time because it's a mental and muscle memory. It's a grind. It's routine. It's rhythm. And all that stuff gets out of whack when you're out of the game for a couple years or months. That's why guys take forever, like, even, like, they go on rehab assignments after they get injured because they have to get their rhythm and timing back. You don't just jump right back into the show. And for this case, I don't know if he's going to be in a rehab assignment. I don't know if he signs with a team. I can't even predict what team he's going to go to because he might take a one-year flyer with some random team like the the Royals, like the Rockies, or like the Nationals, or the A's, or something weird like that. I he might also just choose not to play in the Major League Baseball this year. I have no idea. But that's my uh, my Bauer for the week, I guess you would say. I'm sure we'll have more news next week. He might be signed next week. Who knows? But for now, he's a free agent. I think officially, I don't know. I think this comes out on Thursday. I think maybe tomorrow. But for now, he's still technically a Dodger, but he'll be a free agent because no one's going to pick him up off waivers. And we'll see where it goes from there. So a couple of days ago, the Phillies made a trade for Gregory Soto, a reliever, lefty reliever from the Detroit Tigers. They gave up Nick Maytone, Matt Veerling, and Donnie Sands, who I don't know who that is. And they also got back Cody Clemens, the Phillies, along with Soto. Soto has some of the most electric fastball. He's got an electric fastball, put it that way. But it's, he feel I, 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 I looked at his baseball savant page. I didn't look at Jose Alvarado's. But when I looked at it and felt like I made a description for him, they felt the same. Gregory Soto throws gas. This is what I have right now. Throws gas, wild, gives up hard contact. That's not the greatest recipe for success. But because of that fastball, if you get a smart pitching coach, you can like morph him into be dominant because... You can play. You can use stuff. You can play around with it. You can manipulate it. You don't. When you don't have good stuff, it limits you because then you have to hit corners. You have to be finesse. You have to mess with timing, like like Nestor Cortez does. Even this guy could just rear back and throw a hundred if you can spot it and not walk everyone. You won't even. You won't, you also won't get hit hard because when you do throw a strike, it won't be right down the middle. It also won't be a three one count eighty percent of the time. That's a fake number, but I'm just saying. He has a 13% walk rate. Like, that's not good. Like, that's very bad for a pitcher, especially a reliever. But the Phillies is offseason. Like, they got Kimbrell. They got him. Um, they got Matt Strom, who's an underrated lefty. Sir Anthony Dominguez is still there. I think he's going to be their closer. So they've added bullpen arms. They've added some risks. But if you could trust your development, then these are good moves. And I think they do trust their development because otherwise... 
this would be very bad moves because they would blow up in their face. The hard contact does make me a little nervous because of the ballpark. He starts giving up balls in the air. They're going to go out. And as a reliever, the worst thing you can do is give up a home run. Obviously, no one wants to give up home runs. But if Max Scherzer gives up one hit and it's a home run in six innings, that's a good start. If Gregory Soto walks a guy and hits a homer, that's two runs and you're probably getting an inning of work. That's a bad job. So you have to balance that out. And I think, like, Matt Vierling, I think he's going to get a chance to play every day. Nick Maytone, I don't know if he will as well. But they were quality, decent, like, quadruple-A players. So the value back for Soto wasn't bad. Like, they didn't give up a lot to get him. So it's like a low-risk, high-reward type thing. If he's bad or well, move on to the next guy. But for now, I saw people blowing this up like it was some stud move. He's a good pitcher. He's not he's not Josh Hader. He's not good Josh Hader at least, but you know, I think that like we've gotten to a point in baseball where you look at these numbers, you like take the name off anything. You look at like how like the ride on a guy's fastball, his his walk percentage, his K percentage, his hard hit rate, his expected X Woba. I know it's a weird stat, but it, it makes sense, trust me. Like his X Woba against, excuse me. You look at these stats to see how he can project or what you need to fix because you can also look at like his spin rates and location and arm angles and all this stuff that can really make a pitcher make or break. And it's almost like it's, it's become a science baseball in a way, especially pitching because the way you spin the ball, the way you like you pronate it's called. I've heard that before. Can they fix him? Maybe. I mean, I think the Mets, not the Mets, the Phillies like, can, if they could fix Kimbrel and him, then you have pure dominance from seven, eight, nine because you still have Sir Anthony Dominguez, who, in my opinion, has some of the most wicked stuff in baseball. So, you know, good move for the Phillies. Like I'm not bashing the move. I just think there is a little bit of a question mark with this move, but the upside is very high because of his stuff. Uh, to wrap up this podcast, I have some cool news that I'm going to elaborate a little bit more on with uh, Don Mattingly, who was named the, let's, how do I read this? The baseball advisor in a group led by Dave Stewart for the Nashville Stars, who are the inside track for the next Major League expansion team, which we've seen like hockey expand, like with the Golden Knights and Kraken the last couple of years. We've seen like in the last like 25 years, we've seen the football do with the Houston Texans. Baseball is... I think in a really good spot like to expand because one there's only 30 teams which only but one there's only 30 teams two we're not in some major metropolises such as nashville such as las vegas such as if you want to go back to montreal the carolinas so there are some areas we can go and three it feels like there's a lot of teams competing like if you go down like the american league like Oakland, Kansas City, Detroit. I, I don't want to put Boston in there because they are still a big market team and they do have players and they can easily get back to relevancy fast if they play their cards right. So Oakland, I can't see the Angels. They have, they have talent. But Oakland, the Royals, the Tigers, that's about it. And then maybe, yeah, those three teams in the AL and the NL, I would say the Rockies, the Pirates, and the Nationals and the Marlins. So that's 7 out of 30 that 
aren't competing. Some of those teams, like the Pirates, have O'Neill Cruz, star. Marlins have Sandy Alcantara, star. Uh, Royals have Bobby Witt, Vinny Pasquantino, MJ Melendez, Brady Singer. Can be stars. Oakland A's are like the one team, you know. The Rockies have talent. Denver's a nice place to play, you know. So, you see where I'm going with this? Is that every team in baseball seems to have something that makes them relevant. In basketball, like, the Orlando Magic haven't been bad for so long. The Detroit Pistons haven't been bad for so long. I know they have young talent now, but it's such a superstar-driven league that, like, it's hard to really replace that. Um, in baseball, they're, because of the sixth wild card, because of my, minor league development, it's easier, in my opinion, to become good in baseball if you know what you're doing. Like, obviously, you have to spend money, but, like, the Brewers, the Guardians, the Rays, pretty soon, like, hopefully, like, the, like and then the, even the mid-level, tween, mid-level teams, like the Twins, um, the White Sox, like, these teams that don't have a ton of money, but they're still relevant, and they can still make the playoffs on any given year. Like, the Mariners just broke their curse for 20 years. Before that, like, now I don't even know what the longest is. Like, I, I think it might be under 10 years, like, the longest playoff drought. And that's good for baseball. Like, teams like the Pittsburgh Pirates and Oakland A's make the playoffs every once in a while. I know, like, the whole market and, like, they don't draw as well. But as a baseball fan, don't you want to see every team be good? Don't you want to see? Aren't you sick of seeing the Yankees and Dodgers and the Cardinals and the Braves and the Mets? Uh, not even the Mets. The Mets weren't good up until last year. The Braves and um, even the Padres are recent. And I think the the lack of, like, like there's, there's movement in baseball. The lack of consistent, good, like, good teams makes baseball great. Obviously, we have the Astros, we have the Dodgers, we have the Yankees, we have the Braves. But other than that, it seems to be a revolving door for those last eight spots. And why not? Like, Car- I guess you can throw the Cardinals in there, too. Why not like go like why not expand? Why not add a team? I don't know how it would work when it comes to like you know minor league systems, drafting, international signing bonuses, ownership, ballpark, uniforms, like all this stuff. Like, does every play every team have to give up a player on their team? Is that how it's gonna work? That's probably the best scenario. There's gotta be some sort of clause that like players eligible for you to give up. And they go into a draft and they get drafted to the expansion team. They can draft minor league players as well, college kids, undrafted free agents. You know that that'll be a chance for these kids to get jobs and um, hopefully stick in the league. But so the Nashville Stars, I saw that with Mattingly. He's become like a, like a special advisor for them. That news wasn't really what I wanted to talk about. What I wanted to talk about was what was the overall idea of an expansion team. I think it's a good idea. I think we're a little bit down the road for it. I would also not be surprised if we see a realignment meaning like they change divisions but like i said five years down the road six years down the road whenever the cba next ends which i think we can all agree we don't want to hear those the word collective bargaining agreement until we have to again because last year was very exhausting hearing that but that's all i got on today's episode like i said here's tiktok here's instagram here's my latest video here's my subscription you know where to click them uh carlos correa is a twin that is number eight Like and subscribe, you know what to do. And besides that, have a good night. I will see you guys next week.